Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week is Joe Lupton. Happy New Year, Joe. Happy New Year to you, Bruce. Good to be back. Yeah, so it's been a bit of a while since we did this, so I think we should take stock. Let me maybe just start by laying out our core views, and then you can take us through what you think has been learned in the last, uh, what, two or three weeks in terms of incoming news. So our core views, for those of you who don't uh, remember, we, we'll, is that first and foremost, we're we're fading the, the risks of a near-term slide into recession. We think we can uh, make it through the first half of next year without the U.S. or this year, excuse me, uh, U.S. or global economy sliding into recession. Uh, the second point to make is that we do not think that the inflation slide that's happening is going to be complete. It's going to be substantial, but we think that the tightness in labor markets, um, some of the shifts that have happened in psychology and on the supply side are going to make it such that uh, you're not going to have a full-blown uh, drop. And that basically leads us to the third point is that uh, absent that recession that we think can be avoided in the near term, uh, you're not likely on a sustainable path. Policymakers will have to leave uh, stances tight for a long period of time. A gap will start to build, opening up between um, pricing power and labor costs. And that that creates vulnerabilities that combine with tight monetary policy eventually pushes you over. And then the last point is that while we think we're going to get pushed over, being too cocky and confident about the timing of that and the rate path that uh, we get to uh, when we get pushed over sometime uh, late 23 or 24 um, is not something we want to express enormous amount of conviction on. So with those views in the uh, frame, Joe, how do you want to process what we've seen in the data and what we've learned from it? Well, I think using that, in sticking with that framework, you know, the fact that we're we want to look at what we've learned over the past couple of weeks, you're almost inherently forced to make a, the conversation surround the first node of that probability tree. Are we going into a near term recession or aren't we? Uh, you know, the the nuances around the various other probabilities, I think we can get into. But I would say it's it's a little bit of a of a Rorschach test. If you want to look at the bad news, there's enough bad things to look at. If you want to look at the good news, there's probably enough good things to look at. So what what are those? I would say you know, if you're kind of worried about the recession dynamics and you want the reinforcing data there, you would point to the fact that, you know, the the COVID, uh, you know, the pandemic COVID related concerns in China have certainly gotten a lot worse. And, and frankly, it's something that we've been warning about and particularly warning our China team about that this could get worse. We did lower our China forecast yet again this week for the fourth quarter. The MBS PMI absolutely plummeted uh, and it does point to ongoing concerns for weak growth in the in the fourth quarter at least and what that means going forward i think is uh is certainly open to question maybe it does pull forward the bounce but in the near term i think that raises a concern similarly us payrolls i think that was a mixed bag but if you wanted to focus on the negatives you could look at the hours numbers there which are are looking more on the on the weak side uh, certainly in the manufacturing sector 
uh, we're looking for a pretty big uh, downturn there, can the building momentum in that down downdraft on the on the goods producing side. Also, the USism I think is uh, is a survey that uh, looked uglier than the, than the say the market based uh, surveys. Those are the negatives. I think at the same time you can look at for some some positives. Uh, first of all, I think just continued falling inflation, falling commodity prices is an important support of purchasing power. That is. That is continuing, and arguably the fall inflation maybe even allows central banks to kind of back away from having to do even more aggressive tightening. Maybe that that kind of second or third leg of the scenarios you talked about. I can't remember which one. Moreover, while ours were kind of on the softer side in the payroll report, just the strong job growth that we're getting uh, is a good momentum indicator for economic activity. The overall PMIs, I'd also say, uh, are, you know, they're coming off, but they are in line with our forecast and not breaking in a way that uh, would suggest a recession is coming. All of that adds on to just a general sense that the consumer spending, consumers coming back to life, CapEx is resilient. We did revise up our fourth quarter U.S. forecast. Uh, and I think when you bottom line all of that, those are the things we've learned over the last two weeks. If you bottom line all of that, I actually think where we had a 20% probability of a near-term recession, I think we've tempered that back, and you and I agree on this. We've talked about this earlier. We've tempered that back to maybe 15%, and that means 85% chance that we're kind of sitting under those more nuanced scenarios as we look uh, to the rest of the year. I'll just end by saying, you know, of that, what do you do with that extra 5%? Where do you put it? Uh, it does seem like it's leaning a little bit more towards the underlying soft landing um, scenario. And I think that is a reflection of the fact of the inflation news that we are getting, which maybe we are going to get some that supply curve shifting out a little bit more, which gives us both falling inflation and better growth outcomes, the whole team transitory argument. None of this is a huge change, but nonetheless, it's a nudge in that direction. Right. I I agree with all of that. That's, in fact, what we're kind of going to push in Bruce, there. what a way to start the year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're in total I, agreement. <laughs> in addition to agreeing with all of that, I just want to continue to uh, emphasize here that beyond the um, uh, Im immediacy of the issue on the, on the, on the kind of the recession call, um, I do think there's still plenty of things that drive the, concern about sustainability. I think when we see the inflation news that's coming down, it still looks very much concentrated in uh, goods. As you noted, those are supply um, dynamics that are were negative and were fading. Uh, we're not yet seeing really the turn in um, uh, service price inflation. We're not yet really seeing a material turn in wage inflation downward, although you could argue today's employment report gave you a bit of that. Um, and I think in an ultimate sense, we've got an issue that if we're going to be doing okay as we go through the first half of the year, uh, we've got um, the combination of tight labor markets and a possible pretty significant lift in China that, uh, that could keep you know, underlying inflation pressures here uh, pretty strong. So I think, you know, you're right. The, uh, I think the soft landing story has gotten a little more weight. Um, you know, maybe if we kind of take out the recession uh, in early 23 as, 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 the, as a scenario and just focus on beyond that, 
uh, we might now have gone up to about 30% probability, which is not low, but we still have something close to a 70% probability that sometime in 23, 24, uh, we'll have a recession. The other thing I just want to say here is that um, it may seem um, kind of inconsistent, but it's not that uh, at the same time that we're putting in uh, a, a modestly um, higher probability of a soft landing, I'm also thinking we're putting in a, a modestly higher probability that the rate path that we end up with in 2023 is higher than where we're going. So the resiliency of growth, the tightness of labor markets where we are now, um, it may be consistent in a world in which inflation is coming down and there's some hints of wage inflation coming down with the Fed bottoming towards a 25 basis point hike at the upcoming meeting. Um, but it's also harder to see the Fed pausing, harder to see the 5% uh, top that we have in our baseline forecast holding, uh, unless the labor market cools a lot more uh, than what we've seen uh, up till now in the next next few months. So that, that scenario of going beyond 5%, I think actually also gets a little more weight in this, uh, in this conversation. Uh, and that also, is... and it's almost ironic, right, that the easing in financial conditions on the one hand, I would put it in the bucket of things that make me feel more comfortable about fading the near-term recession risks. But then arguably, and we got some word of that in the minutes from the Fed, that it's not something that they're comfortable with and maybe does lean a little bit more towards that that scenario you're laying out that the Fed may need to do a bit more simply because it takes the near-term recession risk down, adds a little bit more growth, you know, short circuits some of the disinflation process because of stronger demand. Fed needs to put the brakes on a bit more. So there's there is it's Goldilocks for a reason because I think, you know, too much of a good thing can actually come back to bite you. Yeah, and I think this does get us to the signaling. Um, you know, what we got from the minutes, uh what we're thinking the Fed is doing here is is interesting in that they are talking about a downshift. And by the way, there is still a reasonable debate around 50 or 25 for the for the Fed meeting where we're we're, we think they'll do 25. But the same time that they're downshifting in that way, they're, they're not only talking about not easing, but they're also, uh, I think, trying to keep open the uh, opportunity that they uh, they need to move, move uh, rates higher. And the question is how much of that is substantial and actually tells you something about the reaction function and how much of that is the guidance as you're saying is they don't want to have uh, too much of that Goldilocks scenario uh, priced in prematurely because that makes their work harder uh, over the next uh, six to 12 months. Uh, I don't think you know we should ignore what's happening outside the US and maybe a couple of words on Europe uh, because I think you know the China story obviously gets a lot of attention uh, but both the slide in inflation and the resiliency and growth in uh, the euro area here is pretty important uh, messages in terms of the uh, the news flow we've gotten. And um, you know, I I think sometimes people don't see the role of Europe as being important in the global business cycle. And I do think that's only when because Europe doesn't have as powerful uh, dynamics as often as the U.S. or China does. And but now is a case where it isn't a powerful dynamic. It's been hit by these. Uh, uh, shocks from energy, uh, to the extent these shocks are being um, uh, absorbed better, to the extent that they're going away faster, um, you know that's important news uh, about where we're going to be, alongside what we're seeing on the inflation side as well. Yeah, so the net is is positive if I'm reading you right on that, right? Yeah, it's positive, and um, 
uh, both growth and inflation, of course. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, which is classic supply shock. I mean, we, we, you know, I mean, this is this is the best case scenario. As a supply shock on wines, you get lower inflation and stronger growth, and that's what we're seeing. You can see it just in the the kind of rebound and reawakening in the consumer more broadly. But in Europe, you can also uh, kind of see this in in some of the data flow, which has been uh, somewhat more surprising as that supply shock looks at least a little bit more contained. It's by no means uh, you know rosy in Europe, but it's just you know, less bad than I think what we uh, what we had feared. And that's been a theme really since the middle of last year when when we got very negative on Europe. And it's pretty much been six six months straight of kind of of uh, kind of moderating the, those uh, those concerns. I don't want to end on a on a negative note, but there's one other part of the story I think we do want to highlight is that, you know, through a, a world in which we're feeling um better about avoiding recession in the near term uh, through a world in which we are, um, you know, thinking about um, possible lift in China coming early. We still have a pretty weak patch to go through in global manufacturing. So maybe, you know, just quickly go through the the message there, which is definitely uh, going to be with us for at least another uh, two or three months. Yeah, we had we had actually been um... Well, let me put it this way. We started the fourth quarter really taking the signal from the PMIs, which got ugly quite early, even through the, through the third quarter into the fourth quarter, uh, and we weren't seeing it, right? So we were just thinking maybe our PMIs, which we tend to put a lot of weight on, aren't sending the right signal. Manufacturing was incredibly resilient up through kind of September into early October, and now it's happening. Manufacturing's coming off very strong. The PMIs were sending the right signal. The December PMIs, I think, were a, a little bit of a mixed bag. I, I think you can say that maybe there's a hint of a bottom there. Um, in terms of actual IP, it needs to come off more, and we're going to see that in the U.S. As I mentioned earlier, the payroll report today does suggest a, a pretty weak December IP numbers. Um, but uh, you know, the, I think the biggest concern from the from the PMIs in December is that new orders for goods just keeps moving lower. That is at odds with everything we were talking about earlier about resilience and consumer goods starting to pick back up, resilience in the business capex numbers. Just not seeing it in the in the surveys yet. So I I don't know how to how to bottom line that. I guess what I'm feeling like is the manufacturing sector, as you said, it has more pain to go through. There's an inventory adjustment that does need to take place. Uh, and then maybe that sets you up for a, a stronger rebound, but it's, we have to get through the dark part first. Yeah, and it's it it comes back down again, partly to the um, identification issue in terms of how we see the inflation moderation uh, to the extent that that's going to give the boost to the consumer, particularly in the goods space, and the demand picture is looking firmer. Um, that will, I think, be pretty clearly a positive for getting through this, not quickly, but getting through it. Um, unfortunately, I think the news is still pretty mixed. We've gotten away from some very weak real retail spending numbers, um, but China's go getting hit hard here. And um, you know, it looks like after a decent run up in uh, the last two or three months, the December reading for the U.S. on retail spending is going to be weak. Both car sales uh, and core look like they're going to be on the soft side. But that's out a week a week after next, so we can. Uh, talk about that more at that time. So I think yeah, we'll, I mean, one we'll, one last kind of yeah, negative. It's it's a tail the start risk. of the year. We don't want to go on too long. I know. Lose people. 
I know, but one tail risk just for people to keep in mind is obviously the, the, the political mess in the U.S. is a reminder that the debt ceiling debate, which has not been something that we, we really was thought was a serious issue, would, would be a serious issue. Uh, the more kind of extreme I think the House gets in terms of its makeup, the, the more likely the risks around the debt ceiling uh, issue kind of coming back to the to the fore is is something at least that I'm I'm starting to look at more seriously now. In a world where tax revenues are probably going to be a bit lighter, given that they were so strong last year, and you had a lot of losses last um, last year on 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 portfolios, and so tax revenues are going to be down. So it's going to be a, a I think a, a challenging period for Treasury here in the next kind of maybe six to eight months. We don't know the timing on this. Okay. On that note, I think we'll leave it there and uh, hope that we can continue the conversation next week on JP Morgan TV. Thank you.